You are listening to the Christian Bookworm Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I show up here to talk to you about all things bookish and to share fiction, nonfiction, and children's recommendations written by and for Christians. I love reading good books, and I love helping you find good books too. Let's dive in. This is episode 59, and I'm so glad you're here. You can find the links to all the books and anything else I talk about today on our show notes page, www.authorskbell.com slash p slash show Welcome back, bookworms. I'm always so happy to talk books with you, and it has been a very bookish week around here. We celebrated my birthday, and I got three books, and it was Independent Bookstore Day, so we went to two independent bookstores. And also, I got a free trial for Scribd. Um, this is an audiobook, ebook platform. I think they have magazines on there as well. So um, I always use Libby, which we've talked about before. That's the library's app. But I decided to go ahead and try this free trial, and I have to say that I'm honestly loving it. Um, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. If you use my link to sign up, then you get two free months, a two-month free trial, and um, I get another free month, and that sounds grand to me. I have used it a lot already. I have not tried ebooks on it. Ebooks kind of hurt my eyes, so I don't, I don't do a ton of those. We can talk more about that in a later episode, but I do like audiobooks and... Um, this week I've listened to quite a few of them. They have a pretty good selection. They have so many good Christian fiction and nonfiction options, and then also quite a few Christian uh, middle grade options. So that has been, um, yeah, taking up a, a good amount of time in my evenings right now and in my morning workouts. And at least so far, I would say that I recommend them. Of course, they have all kinds of books that I... Um, would not recommend lots of books with content that is not ideal, but um, I mean that's kind of everywhere. So I don't, I don't know if there's really a way, um, a way around that. But anyway, I will leave a link in the show notes if you are interested in that. And I also wanted to chat with you today about home library organization. So there was a what do you call a video? Is it still called a meme? I don't know, a trend? There was a trend of videos um, where people were counting how many books were in their home library. If you have more than 1,000 books, then it is considered a library. And I I have more than 1,000. A good deal more, in all honesty, because I have really carefully crafted that on purpose for homeschool purposes. So um, I also am incredibly proud of how little I have paid financially for that uh, home library. I've been really good at getting books for free or for really, really low prices, or even if they're books I got um, for free or really low prices that I wasn't really comfortable with, then I traded them in at used bookstores. It's been... um, It's been a long project, a long process, but uh, I'm really happy that we've gone this route. Um, Every time my kids are like, hmm, what do I want to read? And go browse our shelves. 
just like they would a bookstore or library. I feel very um, glad that I put that time and effort into that. Um, how do I organize them? This was one of those questions Emily asked, and it is a question that I have often about other people's home libraries. Um, I love organization and details. I mean, I'm, I'm a slob in so many ways, so don't, don't mistake that for thinking I'm a neat freak because I'm not. <laughs> um, but I love organizing information. That's how my brain tends to work. And I really enjoy organizing my bookshelves, and I have since I was a kid. Um, right now, my shelves are organized uh, by author's last name within a specific reading level. I've gone back and forth on that for a while because I don't really believe that any book is one specific reading level. Um, there's it's all just such a range. So you can have middle grade books that are going to feel really babyish to a 14 year old. You can have middle grade books that are a perfect fit for a 14 year old and are going to be just way too much for a 10 year old. Um, you can have middle grade books that are awesome for a 10 year old all the way up through a 14 year old. It, it just really, it's such a range, but based on like vocabulary and reading mechanics, you can kind of gauge um, where a book goes. And so I, I do that. Um, and I have in the past um, pretty much always alphabetized my books by author's last name. I also have to-be-read books. Those are not by last name. Those are in order of how I think I would like to read them. Um, <laughs> I mostly stick to that. It does get broken um, anytime a review book comes in because I have to prioritize those um, just to, I, don't, I guess I don't have to, but I choose to. I have to because ethically that feels like the right thing to do. Um, once in a very great while, I will be so excited about a book or it will go along with something that we're working on or that I'm learning about or, or something like that. And then that book will get pushed to the front. Also, sometimes when we travel, sometimes I will skip around and um, read a book that is set in the place that we are traveling to because for whatever reason, that is really fun for me. But overall, I try to stick to that. Um... I did at one point, I don't know, in like 2012 or something, I saw online a bookshelf organized by color and I thought it was so pretty and I decided to do it. So I made my nice little rainbow bookshelf and I think by the next day, if not by the next day, then very soon after, I ended up putting it back to author's last name because it drove me crazy to see First of all, I couldn't, I don't recognize my, I'm, I'm really good at remembering the title and author of a book, but not the color. And I think for some people who, there are people who are better at, like, they can picture, sorry, I dropped the microphone. Um, they can picture the color or the cover of a book, but they can't remember who wrote it or what it's called. And if that's the case for those people, then I'm sure... Um, the rainbow bookshelf is a good thing, but it did not work well for me. Also, so many books are not just one color in the spine. And I had a really hard time with that. It was really visually unappealing for me to see like 
all these red books and then a book that was like half red, half maroon or so, you know, like half, there's like a picture on the spine. So it's multiple colors. I didn't like that. Um, also there are a lot of books that are, um, two-tone, if you will, you know, like the top half is one color where like the font is and then the bottom half is like a photo or vice versa. There's all kinds of things like that. And it just bugged me. Also, nobody has an exact um, identical number of books with each spine color. And that really bugged me too. I had like a ton of black and white books. And then, you know, a good amount of like gray and brown and tan and other neutrals. And then it'd be like, you know, I'd have like four red ones and 40 black or blue ones and, and 12 orange or you know, something like that. And it just, it really bothered me. <laughs> All silly little things. But anyway, that's why I no longer um, organize my books by color as much as I think it's beautiful. And when I see other people's shelves like that online, oh, I think it's gorgeous. And I love it. It's very visually appealing, but it did not work for me to live in that space. Also, oh, do I want to get this nerdy? I think I do. Um, I also have a binder, um, just a regular three-ring three ring binder that is sort of like a card catalog, if you will. And it's essentially, you flip through and it's just book lists. I love book lists. I have a whole bunch on my blog. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But I mean, if I want to read a book or if I want to revisit, if I'm learning something about World War II and I think, oh, I read something about that in a book. Where was that? Then I can flip to the World War II page in my three ring binder. And here's this long list of all the World War II books that we own. I don't have it for every book I've ever read the way I do on the blog, but the books that we actually own in our personal libraries. And then I have the little reading level so that we know <laughs> where to find the book. Um, it's very, very nerdy, but I enjoy it. Not only do I love having it, I actually really enjoyed putting it together and I enjoy adding to it. And it's just, I don't know, it's silly, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, I would love to know what you do. How do you organize your home library? Obviously, we're all in different um, seasons in life, too. So for me right now, homeschooling multiple children, this system looks a lot different than it did when I was single or when I was just a newlywed or when I had not started homeschooling yet. And I imagine this system will change even before our kids have all grown up and moved out just because life, there's always changes in life. But even if not, then once that day comes, I, I'll be very curious to see what changes. On the one hand, it is fun to imagine grandma's library and to imagine that, that I will keep this home library and that my grandkids will come over once a week and pick out books like they would from the public library. At the same time, maybe that won't be what's going to work best, and maybe it'll just be best for me to divide up all the children's books and give them to my kids to take home. I have no idea. So I look forward to seeing where life takes me and where it takes my home library. I took a little break to sip my tea, which I need to tell you about for chai lovers. It's Blue Lotus brand, and it is so good. It's the best chai I have ever had. 
um, the best like real good chai aside from sometimes at coffee shops when it's syrupy and sugary, but, um, I am making these chai tea lattes with it and it's so yummy and comforting and warm. So I recommend blue Lotus chai. I have, there's a masala, which has caffeine. I do not do well with caffeine. I have to be caffeine free. So I got the, I'm never sure how you say it. Is it rooibos? Rooibos? R-O-O-I-B-O-S. Um, I think I've heard it pronounced like rooibos, but I, I might be very wrong about that. Anyway, I recommend it. And let's talk books. So for fiction, I'm actually going to give you extra recommendations this week because my list is, is um, plumping up quite nicely since I'm listening to um, extra audiobooks right now. So I'm overdoing it also, by the way, <laughs> with the Scribd um, free trial. I am plowing through books because I want to get as much mileage as I can out of this free trial membership. Um, oh, I'm very cheap, but I'm, I, I do love this thing, so I may or may not um, purchase a month or two at the end of it. But um, at least for now, I am doing this free trial and I am I'm getting a lot of mileage out of it. So for fiction, um, let's talk about two. Oh, I guess these are kind of the same, uh, the same deal. So these are both historical fiction, um, kind of suspenseful mysteries. They're not, um, true, like super crazy suspense, but, um, they have that sort of feel to them. So the white city by Grace Hitchcock, um, is something that, I had been really excited about because this is set during the Chicago World's Fair. And that's a subject that is interesting to me, but that I just never seem to be able to learn a whole lot about. Um, even through our library, I think they have two picture books, both of which are about, um, uh, oh, what's his first name? George, I think? Ferris, the man who invented the Ferris wheel. Um, and that's, that's it. Uh, I have all, oh yeah. And then, um, Tesla and it's not just Chicago world's fair specific, but that's it. And I'm always so curious and so fascinated by like what all was shown at the world's fair and, but it's really hard to find, um, books on it for whatever reason. So I happen to have learned that, um, America's first serial killer, and that's actually not true, but the first person that was like deemed a serial killer um, was using the Chicago World's Fair to make it happen. And um, this is H.H. H. Holmes, and some historians believe him to also have been Jack the Ripper um, because some London trips and American trips coincided and there was some weirdness there. Um, who knows? But this is what that book is about. So our heroine is the daughter of a police uh, chief, I think. And um, she has witnessed a young woman kind of being kidnapped, being like held at gunpoint, and she goes with this man. Um, and so she is trying to uncover this mystery that they're all kind of like, okay, I'm sure you saw what you saw, uh-huh. And... Um, it's very interesting. Um, it, it's obviously fictional, but with some uh, true historical things mixed in. 
and it's it's got a fun a fun feeling to it. I will read more by this author. Um, fun is a interesting term for a book with this theme, but I definitely liked it. It was not gruesome and gory, and there wasn't shock factor anything like that. Um, you went into it already knowing that the bad guy is a bad guy, and you're more just trying to uncover proof of that. Um, so it was it was good, and I, I look forward to trying more by this author. If you're not a big fan of, like, murder mysteries or suspense, I think that you still could enjoy this one if you're interested in, in the Chicago World's Fair because, like I said, it's really not um, super suspenseful or thrillery or anything like that. But the next one is, um, <laughs> I also read The Auschwitz Escape by Joel C. Rosenberg. So I've kind of pseudo-mentioned this on the show before because my grandfather read it and loved it, plowed through it. And um, I did too. I plowed through it too. This one does have, I mean, it, it's a concentration camp. Um, there are some descriptions that were really hard for me to read. I'm a very sensitive reader. If you're sensitive to violence, if you're sensitive to suffering, there will be some scenes that are very difficult to read. But the human resilience factor is incredibly strong. The faith storyline is really cool to witness. Um, and then the, like, page-turner feel, oh my goodness, it definitely has that. I could not wait to, um, pick it up and read it again. And, um, yeah, I definitely can see why my grandpa liked it. And I do recommend it. I think this would be a great book for guys. I think a lot of men would enjoy reading this one. Um, and obviously women, too, who like, um, suspense and thrillers and stuff. But I do feel like a lot of Christian fiction, um, probably doesn't appeal to men, so I try to point it out when I come across something that I do think definitely does. Again, definitely Page Turner has that thriller feel to it, um, some suspense, some fearful moments, not, not the very best choice for super sensitive readers like myself, um, but at the same time, even in spite of that, I had no problem um, wanting to pick it back up. So, the Auschwitz Escape, Escape by Joel C. Rosenberg. I'm going to give you two nonfiction recs today, too. I might as well just do two children as well. So we'll just, we'll do two all around. Um, I've read two Christian celebrity memoirs recently, and I really enjoyed both of them. The first was All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. Uh, and I know that there has been some controversy about her in the last couple years, and the rumor mill totally turned that into something very different um, <laughs> from what it actually was. So I did look up um, some of the the whole you know story behind it all, and then she actually goes into like there was a specific Twitter po uh, tweet <laughs> that she made. Um, regarding some words spoken by President Trump, and um, and she explains her stance on what she said, and so politically, um, go into it knowing that there is like one chapter that does explain her stance, but whether you're for it or against it, I do feel like she 
did a good job just explaining where she was coming from and not getting political in other ways. I felt like she did a good job. Some people may disagree, I don't know, but um, overall, I really liked this book. It is very hard to read. If you, um, I always try to keep things family friendly, but her, um, okay, there was a specific type of abuse that she endured in her childhood from a male family member. Um, so, and, and she's never graphic, never goes into descriptive detail, but, uh, it's very clear that this happened to her, um, multiple times. So there is some of that. Um, and that is sad, obviously very sad and dark, but she has a way of, um, keeping the light, keeping the light in her story. Uh, and it, it really fascinated me. Um, I was very inspired at times, very moved at times. And if you've ever liked a Beth Moore book, and you know I have, um, I loved Breaking Free, and I found it to be incredibly powerful and transformative in my life. Um, so if you've ever liked anything by Beth Moore, um, or if you don't like her, either way, I do think it's a very interesting and compelling read. I also read Becoming Free Indeed by Ginger, um, I think it's Volo, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, this is Ginger Duggar. <laughs> um, her married name is Volo. And um, this is her story about unraveling or untangling her um, upbringing under, um, oh my goodness, I can't think of the man's name. Um, is it Gothard? Bill Gothard? Does that sound right? Um, a, a cult, essentially a cult. Um, the, the Duggar family follows a very specific, um, that, ugh, oh my goodness, why can't I remember what it's called? Institute for Learning Principles or something like that. Um, very specific, legalistic, uh, religious following. Um, if you're familiar with this, this is the 19 kids and counting, 20 kids and counting. This is that family. Um, they didn't, you know, growing up, they didn't cut their hair. They didn't wear pants. They didn't listen to music or, or not true. They didn't um, dance. They didn't listen to any kind of worldly music or watch movies or, you know, they're very, very strict, um, about food, about, uh, everything. And, um, so Ginger, <laughs> grew up and started to really uncover the fact that, um, this man was, you know, giving all these very strict teachings and was also not following them. He was later, um, charged for, uh, a certain type of misconduct, um, with females. And so that was obviously incredibly eye-opening for her. Um, but also, as she studied the Bible, she started to find more and more that a lot of these things that um, she was being taught were the only way to be a good Christian were not in the Bible at all. Um, sometimes when you hear about or read stories like this, people completely denounce their faith. Um, she actually talks about that in here. But... Um, not only did she not go that route, but she actually has a very strong Christian faith. And I really appreciated um, seeing that perspective because I think it's very easy for people to write a book saying, well, now I don't believe anything. But I think it's probably a lot harder to write a book um, really 
untangling all of these all of these things and and finding finding a way to hold on to the truth while letting go of all of the lies um that's probably a lot more difficult and um I thought it was well done. I did like their show back in the day, and I think I've read all of their books, actually, at this point. Um, so maybe I am a little bit unfairly biased, I guess, in that way. But I did enjoy this one, and I think it's really interesting at worst and, and very powerful at best. And I think if you um, have experience with a legalistic um, childhood or upbringing, um, or just, you know, in general, even now, if you have a very legalistic, um, community, I think you might find this one to be really helpful. Okay. So for children, um, a middle grade novel I read recently was Keeping Holiday by Star Mead. And I loved this allegory. This was so good. Um, the allegory is about, this vacation spot called Holiday, um, and people love it, and then they go back home, and nothing feels quite as good as it did in Holiday. You can do all the same things there and and do those same things at home, and it's just not quite the same. And so this boy is learning how to, um, he's on a mission, a quest, to learn how to keep Holiday in his heart and feel that feeling all year round. Um, it was really good, very well written. I'm definitely excited. I, I got this, um, you know, sometimes I just find random um, used books. And this one, um, I also have Grandpa's Box by this author. So I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to trying it as well because um, Keeping Holiday was really well done. And then let's also talk about a picture book, uh, The King and the Dragon by James W. Shrimpton. Um, this one is a new release. I saw it in a bookstore on Independent Bookstore Day, and I I loved it. We tend to really like allegories that are um, told in this kind of medieval knight kind of way. There's something about the king and the dragon and the knight and this, this sort of description or depiction that really works well, I personally feel. Um, so I do recommend this one. Also have some fun, warm, colored um, illustrations. And I think uh, age-wise, I guess I would say probably like five to five to seven or eight would, would get the most out of this. Um, of course, other ages can enjoy it, but that's my guess for um, the age group that will most appreciate it. That's our show today, Bookworms. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening. We are coming up on the first half of 2023 being over. And as we move closer to that halfway point, I thought it would be a good time to encourage you to evaluate your goals. Look at the things that God has put on your heart and on your mind to work on this year and see how do you feel like you've done so far. Be honest with yourself and simply be honest with yourself and call it good. There is no need to shame ourselves or degrade ourselves if we haven't done as well as we had hoped. Um, there's also no need to get prideful. We can all just take an honest look at where we are and is this where I wanted to be at this point? And if it's not, that's okay. What can I do to make some changes? How can I change things and shift things to 
progress further with this goal and make the end of the year look like I've had some progress from this point on. Um, I am always praying for you. I'll be praying for that specifically this week. I'm always praying for you just in general for this show to bring you a book that's going to really do good things in your life for good relationships, for success, for things to go well for your family financially and health-wise. Just in general, I am praying for all of you. I hope you're doing really well. If you want to stay in touch with me between now and the next episode, you can always do that through my blog, authorskbell.com. I am The Christian Bookworm on YouTube. I am SK Bell on Goodreads, and I am Author SK Bell on Pinterest and Twitter. I think that just about covers it. I hope you have a great day today, bookworms, and I hope that at some point involves you curling up with a good book. See you next time.